Thank you for listening to part two of Mr. Sainit's episode on the Share Chair podcast, where we tell each other's stories and learn from listening. So when you've been talking, I really noticed you have this passion for people. Like, I mean, I feel like everything that you do revolves around people and relationships yeah. and understanding people. And I'm really curious where... Did you see that first? Like, when did you have that revelation that you were like, that's what I want to do? Or did you, did that come over the course of a period of time? Or like, I'm curious. That's a great question. It's a great question. So a lot of times I think when people look back at their past, they like try to construct a story that like perfectly puts them where they are. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do that necessarily. But um, I will say that when I was in college... I liked school. I liked, like, academics. I liked learning. Really, in pretty much all subjects. So, I don't know. It just made sense to me that I'd, like, be a college professor or something. Which I guess okay. I kind of was. <laughs> but I guess in my mind, I was going to be, like... I guess I had this idea about what a professor would be and do. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'd be, like, like very seriously academic-oriented. Writing, like, serious okay. academic articles and that kind of thing. So when I was in college, I spent a lot of time at the library, like a lot. I played, I played baseball, so like I had some interactions there, and I had some, uh, some uh, social interactions with, with, with other people, some romantic interactions with other people as well. So I had these outlets for my social life, but I spent a ton of time in the library. Like, sometimes I'd be there, I'd go there after class, I'd go to practice, and then after practice, you know, I'd, I'd go to dinner, and then I'd go to the library at maybe like six or seven at night. I'd stay there till like two in the morning. And that's when it closed. Yeah. And then I'd go to bed at two, like 2.30 and I'd get up at like 7.30 for my eight o'clock classes or whatever. That's not enough sleep, by the way. Anyone listening to this, that's not enough sleep. I should have been getting more sleep and that was counterproductive. But I was working really hard and I was spending a ton of time in the library. And this is weird, but like I have so many interests that if I was sitting, like, with other people or sitting near a window, then I would have been, like, distracted by, like, the interesting stuff that I was seeing. Okay. So I went to the basement of the library. So uh-huh. I would go to the basement of the library or whatever, you know, a floor, mm-hmm. a floor that was down in the, a place where there were no windows, no, it was kind of dark, and I would study for just hours on end. And a lot of it was really satisfying. Uh, but after doing that for a few years, I started to actually get scared that too much time alone and not enough time like interacting with other people would not be as fulfilling to me in my life because I wasn't really sharing or growing Mm -hmm. through interactions like a social and emotional interactions with other people. And to try to say that even more clearly, as I got more like deeper into academics, my papers got so focused on like a small issue in philosophy or, or, or um, um, psychology or English that I was like, no one really is that interested in this who isn't in this field. Okay. So like who is going to read this? Let's say I publish work like this. Who's going to read it other than yeah. other academics? And I honestly thought like I'm, I'm not sure anyone will. So I have a feeling that 
that's not going to be that meaningful for me. I'm going to need mm-hmm. to be doing work that like helps. To be, this sounds kind of corny, but like, I'm going to need to be doing work that, where I feel like I'm lending a hand to our like yeah. society or community in some way. And it's so interesting because some of these cliches are like corny, but there can be a truth yeah. to that. That, and I found for real, and I started doing a lot more volunteer work after that, and and it was just very satisfying. Uh, and it's corny, but like being co- working hard, which I did, and like being kind and trying to lend a hand to the people around me in my community was the most satisfying thing by far that I'd ever done. And then it just built, like just build and build and build. Okay, so yeah. I want to do more and more of it. Wow, that's, well, that's such yeah. a yeah. That's so cool to hear. Just that, even as a college student, like you didn't. I mean, like you thought you knew, but then it. Didn't or am I? No, you're is right. That, yeah, that's what happened. Oh yeah. no, I thought I knew. Like, I wasn't sure. Like academics, but I was like, do I want to be a lawyer? Do I want to go into academics? Do I want? Should it be philosophy, psychology, English? Like, but I thought it was going to be more academic. Yeah. And you know what's really tough? I don't know if I'm supposed to break this third wall here. Like, to oh, you yeah. listeners out there, like it's <laughs> like obviously I'm talking to, to you, but <laughs> but I, I think what's really tough, and I, I think like I, to talk to myself to be like Carl, you know when you were in high school, like if I could talk to myself, I guess I would try to break out of the expectation that certain careers are better than others. Because I think, and I, I don't know if this is the case in Spring Lake, this was the case certainly in my community, which was, is not dissimilar from Spring Lake in a lot of ways, where I went to high school. Like if you said, if you were a senior in high school and you were like, yeah, I'm going to this college, I'll say it's U of M since we're around here, I'm going to U of M and I'm going to be a teacher. Like, it's not that that was frowned upon, but it, was, it wasn't like, mm-hmm. it was looked down upon a little, a little yeah. bit, I think. And I was really, I was really interested, at some point I was like, I'm either going to be a counselor, like a therapist. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a therapist, I'm going to go into like um, some kind of divinity, like, like I'm going to be some kind of pastor or something from a religious perspective, mm-hmm. or I'm going to be a teacher. So it was really, I, really, I really had a sense that it was going to be one of those three things. And just to be frank, like, I had really good grades, and I had really high test scores. So I think people who knew me, when I told them that, I think they were, like, disappointed and discour- actually discouraged me, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I'm not, I love my family. I'm not trying to come at them in this. Um, they probably won't listen to this, but like, you know, even in my family, for sure, people, mm-hmm. a number of people, including people who are really close to me, were, were like, well, why would you become a teacher or a therapist? Like, imagine being like, okay, I'm going to be a social worker, I'm going to be a teacher, or I'm going to mm-hmm. be like a, a, a pastor or something like that. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that when you, I think that was the attitude. Why would you do that yeah. when you have the, ability to be a doctor, a lawyer, and the answer is existential. Like the answer is about, is think, has to do with thinking about what life means, mm-hmm. like when it comes to an end. Yeah. And I really, I don't know why, I have no idea why I thought about this, but like even in college, I would think like when I come to die, what do I want people to say at my funeral? Yeah, <laughs> sounds so morbid, yeah. but like, <laughs> but for sure. I mean, even in even as a, gosh, I don't know how old I was. 
I don't know, maybe I was 20 or something, and I'd be like, I'd imagine, I can remember, like, imagining people coming to my funeral, like my friends. And I'd imagine them being, like, 80 or whatever. Hopefully I make it that long. (laughs) And I'd imagine, like, what are they going to say at my funeral? And I would imagine, I really, like, imagined it, too. No one's ever asked me this. I really imagined (laughs) it. I would imagine them saying, like, man, he was really good academically. He, like, published these papers blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And then I would imagine them saying, like, just like he treated people right. Like, he treated people with dignity and respect, and he was, like, loving, and he loved people. And he showed the world, that's too strong, he showed the people he was able to interact with that in order to be loved back, one of the best things to do is is to love other people. And e- even as a college student, I was like, that's pretty darn clear. Like, yeah. like that wasn't, I wasn't like ambivalent at that point. Mm-hmm. It was pretty clear to me that what I wanted people to say at yeah. my funeral. Which I think sounds morbid to a certain extent. Like, it's like... It does a little, yeah. <laughs> but <it's>, <laughs> <laughs> you understand. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not recommending this as an exercise <laughs> for the audience, but... Like, for me, I was able then to take a more, I think, global view of my life and being like, what are my priorities and what's going to matter to me? And it was not confusing through that lens. So I think what I thought was going to matter to me was like, honestly, like, what was going to matter was like the good that I did, Mm -hmm. the trying to be a positive force in the world, the drive was to understand what it meant to be human. Mm-hmm. The, the drive was to try to understand what it meant to be a person, like to live a meaningful life. And in order to do that, I felt like I had to study like political science a little bit and, mm-hmm. and obviously um, um, philosophy and psychology and, and certainly education and um, religion. Uh, like wh- wh- how do people live meaningful lives? But then at some point along the way, I had a lot of college loans. And I didn't, I didn't have a lot of support financially from my family, which is fine. They gave me other kinds of support. But I didn't have a ton of financial support. So I had a lot of grants and, and whatnot, but I still had loans to pay. So there came a time in my studies where I was like, oh, I got to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And I want to acknowledge that like, that does happen. Um, so I became, I became a teacher because I wanted to do it. But also because, like, yeah, I mean, I had to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I was able to pay the bills with my teacher's salary. I was not able to buy a gold toilet. I do (laughs) not have a gold toilet. Um, I, I, I can't do whatever I want whenever I want. But, I mean, that's overrated. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I think wealth is just overrated. Like, it, it, it. I can't do, I cannot do whatever I want, whenever I want, but how is that really changing my life satisfaction? It means that today I'm going to go pick up my daughters and we're going to go home and we're going to go out in the woods. And is that, is that worse than, you know, what I would do if I had a lot of money? I don't think so. I, but I want to be also be really clear that, that there's nothing wrong with having a ton of money. It just, it's just that, that 
that wasn't what was driving me. And to be fair, I have a decent amount. I, I'm fine financially. But the, 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 finan- the finances came, the financial security came doing these things that I was passionate about in a strategic way. And then eventually I got paid for it. Wow. That is really good to hear. Just, I don't know. But it wasn't like when I was 23. You know, it probably wasn't until I was 30 that it started to be like, yeah, now you have the expertise in this field to to have financial, like, you know, some more Mm -hmm. financial security. But man, I'm really, really glad that I was able to get there doing something that that I loved, that you said, like I sound passionate about because I really am. That's awesome, yeah. So just to wrap this up, and this is, I already can tell, it'll be a really tough question, but if you had one piece of advice to give to maybe students, um, an adult, anybody, um, what would you say? Or maybe what's one way you try to live your life that... Yeah, that's, thank you. you might want to... Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think um, what I'm trying to do is live the most meaningful life that I can in the time that I have. Okay. And in order to do that, I think, first of all, I need to be very conscientious of how I'm treating other people. Because in order for me to live a meaningful life, I need to be interacting in a rich way with other people. In order to to interact in a rich way with other people, I need, we need to have, we together need to have this be able to establish some kind of connection. And that requires, I think, uh, 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 requires me and probably us to be, to be kind to each other as best we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, uh, this is a start, but I think the way to establish connection and to be approachable, a good start is to be really kind. And, and that is sometimes harder than it appears. And this is going to sound weird because I'm not saying like be polite, like just be polite and that's it. I'm not saying that, but sometimes if you're not sure what to do, like err on the side of kindness, err on the side of being polite, err on the side of like assuming that people have like good reasons for what they're doing, even if they're not being kind back. And I think that's probably the hardest thing is if somebody isn't treating me in a way that I think is kind, not responding with bitterness or like acrimony, but being able to say in my own, maybe just in my own head, there must be some kind of reason that that person is struggling to respond with kindness, given that I've tried to show kindness to them. Basically, um, a, 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 a poet, Mary Oliver, said this really well. She basically says, like, people aren't kind or mean for simple reasons. So if you're really trying to be kind, it's not a simple thing. It's, it's really quite complex. Your reasons for it and how to do it is, can be really hard because there's so much diversity and variation in, in, in people. But that means that when someone responds in a way that isn't kind... 
it's really hard, but I, I think part of what I'm trying to do is assume that there must be a reason that the person's responding that way. That if I knew, which I, don't, I won't always know, but if I knew, then I would understand. And if I were in that person's shoes, then, then, it, then I might be responding the same way. So, so like being kind, gosh, it sounds so, it's, it's one of those things in life that, that's deceptively hard. Um, the, other, the second thing I think is like being kind and then having the fortitude and maybe even spiritual fortitude mm -hmm. to continue to respond with love and kindness even when other people don't show it back. But then that requires, I think, people to surround themselves with others who, who, who are fortifying for them in terms of love and kindness, or they, or they start to lose energy. It's very difficult to sort of be, be treated uh, uh, without love and kindness day in and day out. So I think, I think part of that is having a community of people who can support you. Um, and then I think, again, I, I don't mean to say that like hard work is like, I don't want to be misinterpreted. Like in the context of being kind, I guess what I'm trying to, just, it's, what I'm trying to say is like it's not going to be easy mm -hmm. to be kind and then create meaningful like work for yourself. So you're being kind and then you're trying to maybe create, I'm trying to create like a meaningful career, a meaning, meaningful things that I do day in and day out. But like that's not easy. And that doesn't mean you have to like be up all night working. I'm not implying that, but I am implying that like it requires some degree of resilience because things will inevitably not go well. So then, um, this is a whole, probably a whole uh, different conversation, but then, <laughs> then how, how do we, how, how can we respond when things don't go well? So yeah, I mean, being kind, being able to have the fortitude to respond with kindness even when people aren't kind back, developing some kind of like meaningful work and meaningful, like feeling good about the, the work that you, you're doing, and then creating a, 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 a community around yourself and like with your interactions with other people and your hobbies and so forth that allows you to be resilient. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And yeah. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. <laughs> um, thanks. Good luck, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for next week's episode.